Hey guys, welcome back to my show. Today we have a really special guest with us and her name is Denise. Denise. So without further ado, let's call upon her and let's see what she has in store for us. Hi everybody. I am so happy to be here. Anika, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Denise Gorzinski and I am an author of children's books. I ironically wrote my first children's book prior to our adoption of four siblings. My husband and I now have a four, five, six, and seven-year-old that came to us through adoption back in 2018. That's amazing. So now um, could you tell us more about your books which you've written and like tell us about your journey till now? So it's interesting when I actually initially wrote Harley's story, it was mostly for friends and family. We have, we had a very special dog named Harley and he was a rescue. And in 2013, my mom had told me you used to love writing. So why don't you write a story about Harley? He ended up being diagnosed with diabetes. So I sat down and, um, I wrote a story about Harley and his rescue and being diagnosed and it's told from his perspective. That's beautiful. So could you tell us how Harley's story can be used to discuss no more bully? Yes. A lot of times um, in societies, our statistics have shown that bullying really happens. It's about power, right? Or about a lack of it when you feel like you don't have control over a situation. And so oftentimes that starts with small animals because people that don't have, feel like they have power can exert it on small animals and children with special needs as well are oftentimes the recipients. Sometimes they're the, the bullies themselves, but oftentimes they're the recipients. So small animals and children with special needs um, are, like I said, the recipients oftentimes. So um I use Harley's story. I never wanted to be an author that just came into a classroom and read my story. I really wanted my story to help other kids, help kids feel more inclusive. Uh, and then I actually partnered with a rescue called Wayside Waves out of Kansas City. And they have a whole anti-bullying program that is centered around using animals. So um, how's the experience working with them? With Wayside Waves? Yeah. They have an absolutely beautiful program. They have workbooks that we can, I can go into schools with, and it talks through a lot of different aspects of bullying. So for instance, that lack of power, um, inclusionary kindness, um, it goes through, it, it, you can actually come in for a seven-day program, and I can bring that in with the workbook, and we can talk through kindness. We can talk through all of these different personality characteristics that help prevent bullying. And they have workbooks that I have actually been able to purchase that I can bring into schools, and they talk through each day of one of those personality traits and how to become more of inclusionary, how to foster those personality traits that stop bullying. Um, I have also gotten that down so that I could do a one day program in a school. I could come in and just do one day as well. That's amazing. So from what you're telling me, I can really understand that you love dogs and you love to help people who are being bullied. 
I do. I really love children. Um, I love animals and I really believe that animals teach us a lot of very important life lessons. They show us unconditional love like nothing else. And they are so forgiving. You take a rescue dog who has been abused, who has been significantly hurt by humans and they can turn it all around and learn to love a family and are just so forgiving as of us as humans. That's amazing. So how does Harley's story teach unconditional love? So first of all, exactly like we, we just talked about, Harley was a rescue um, and he'd been very neglected. So when he first came to live with us, he wasn't sure where his next meal would come from. He would do what's called resource guarding over his food, meaning that if you came anywhere close to him while he was trying to eat, he would growl. Um, he never nipped anybody, but he would get very protective of his food because that was something he didn't, you know, he had we take for granted, especially when we have our own pets in our homes that we're taking care of, that they have regular meals, but when they're neglected, they don't. So he was able to turn that around and learn to love the people that loved him. Then he got diagnosed with diabetes and then he ended up with blindness. And in Harley's story, he really tells his story of being concerned that maybe he would be sent away maybe he'd have too many problems and his family wouldn't be able to keep him. And so he learns though, that unconditional love means loving no matter what, whether there's health issues, whether there's any other challenges. And that is so important to me that everyone, children, adults understand um, and hopefully experience unconditional love. So Harley must've been like, having a lot of problems at that time, but like overcame his problems, no matter what was happening. So Correct. that tells us that no, be it a dog or a person or any sort of animal or any sort of person, they can still overcome the fears if they believe in this, if they believe in themselves. Correct. So what gave you the inspiration to um, like, write Harley's story? Was it completely out of your imagination or was it mostly your actual events happening in your life? It was actually the actual events happening in our lives. So it truly tells Harley's story. So it's, it isn't a fictitious story and I didn't, I, none of it is made up. He rides on planes. There's a picture of him uh, where he is actually sitting He's in his carrier because he went under the seat in front of us and he's in his carrier and he's on top of the luggage and I'm taking him around on a luggage cart in an airport. So you get to meet him. You get to experience his life. You get to experience all the things that he got to do. And then we meet a few other animals that have special needs as well, because even Harley wasn't alone. There are some animals that only have three legs and sometimes they learn to walk like that. And sometimes they get a helpful wheelchair. There's a dog Otis that's both blind and deaf since he was born and his humans have been able to teach him commands so he can sit, he can, um, he can shake all of those things with just touch commands. So Harley gets to meet some of these other animals along his journey as he's learning what unconditional love really means. So did you ever lose hope that 
Harley would never get better or would never learn to survive on his own. I mean, of course, he's a domestic pet, but like either way. You know, I honestly, when he was diagnosed with diabetes, so I'm a nurse practitioner. So I called the vet and said, you know, he's drinking more water, he's urinating more frequently, and he's having potty accidents and he was potty trained. I said, in a human, these are often signs of diabetes. What is that in a dog? And the vet said diabetes. So it's also very important to me that people understand because the vet told me that oftentimes animals are brought to him and it's past the ability to save them because their humans weren't aware of what all those symptoms meant. So it's very important for me for both kids and adults to understand what some of those symptoms are. But the time that really got me was his cataracts grew fast because of his diabetes. So he was doing, we had a little bit of trouble getting his sugars under control, but we got those under control and his cataracts grew. So if you don't know what that is, that's a small film that can grow over the top humans of your eyes. Humans can get them. um, Dogs can get them. Cats can get animals can get them. And his grew a little bit faster because of his diabetes and what that really, that I think hit me harder. I started crying in the vet's office about him being blind. And I'll never forget the vet looked at me and said, you're going to have a harder time with this than he is. He's going to figure it out. He's going to figure out his way around. You're going to watch him bump into things, but he'll be able to navigate. I did go to some websites and look up how to help him. And some of the things to help him were he still went hiking with us, but we got him doggles. So those are little doggy glasses so that he wouldn't poke his, because he couldn't see a tree. He'd hike with us and we'd have him unleashed, but he could still bump into stuff. Um, Put a carpet in front of his doggy door so that he could feel where his doggy door was. And I made different rooms smell different. I put just regular scents whether it be a candle or one of the plug-in scents into the room so that they smelled different for him. And sure enough, the vet was right. He navigated really, really well. That sounds awesome. It's great that um, Harley is able to navigate and understand his surroundings. So now I would uh, ask you a few more questions. So at what point do you think someone should call themselves a writer? I'm sorry, say that again. So at what point do you think someone could call themselves a writer? Oh, you know, I believe that you're from the very beginning. It doesn't matter how young you are. I believe that my seven-year-old who's drawing pictures and telling stories with pictures is still a writer. Um, I, you know, I became, I published my book because I had something that I felt was important that I wanted people to read. But I think it's also really important. I didn't write for a really long time because I got discouraged um, over the editing process. It was really hard for me in school when I would write and then a, a teacher would mark it up. And, you know, you'd get the I don't know if they do red marks anymore, but you'd get the marks on your page that this didn't quite sound right or this didn't look right. And I'll, I'll admit it's still kind of hard. The second version of Harley's story, I actually used an editor but it feels very different. Maybe there's some experience behind it, but I had stopped writing for a really long time. I thought I had wanted to be a writer in school until the editing process. And it is hard. You know, you, you write your feelings down, you write a story and it, 
that story is like your child, no matter how young you are, that, that story is your baby. And so when somebody takes it and they want to change it up, that can be really hard. So it takes a bit of a thick skin to do that, but you are a writer from the minute you start to tell stories. Yeah, because like the editing process is like the part where you have to get rid, like basically in the writing world, you say that you have to kill your babies and you don't actually mean that literally, you mean that fig- figuratively, which means you have to like uh, remove all the unnecessary, unnecessary parts. That's exactly right. And that can be really hard because you're having to let go of something that meant something to you when you wrote it. Yeah, because as an author, as you said before, um, your writing or whatever you write on the page is kind of like your um, like something precious. So basically, when you want to give away something precious, obviously you won't feel good about it, even though mm-hmm. it's necessary. That's true. It's very, very true, and it can be very difficult. How do you get through that? So. Um, could you repeat the question? I said, how do you get through the editing process? Because you're a writer as well. Yeah. So um, for my editing process, what I do is I leave my novel or what I'm writing aside for a few weeks or days. So then I can open it up with fresh eyes and then start editing it with um, like, you know, um, I like forget what I'm actually writing about. So that way I am able to focus more and figure out what things need to be in and what things need to be out. That way it's easy to let go of few parts of the book. For example, if one part does not make sense, I try to figure out how to keep that part, but at the same time make it more interesting or more adventurous or descriptive. That's exactly, that's, that's how, I had about, in the first version of Harley's story, I had about three pages where I felt like you were getting to know him as he traveled. And I told these different aspects of him and you edit it down so that, cause it didn't really do a huge amount for the story itself. It meant a lot to me because it was part of Harley's story. And again, I'm, I'm writing an actual story. I'm writing about his life. I think that made it even harder to get rid of for me because it was about him. And I was taking, it felt like I was taking out pieces of him but you're able to edit it and you're able to get it down and still tell the story, but much more succinctly and not taking up quite as much of the space in the book, I guess. Yeah. So how do you celebrate when you finish writing your book? I cannot tell you what that feels to hold the book in your hands, to hold the actual book. There just aren't any, I, it is so exciting. It's, an amazing feeling. Um, and I self-published. I didn't actually go through a, a publishing agency. Uh, the first time I did it, I did it through a self-publishing division of Reader's Digest. And I can say nothing but great things because they really helped me learn a lot about the process. And then I've been, I've done a couple book launches for some other authors. Um, I've done a few other things things. I also joined the Society of Children's Authors, Writers, and Illustrated, Illustrators called SCBWI, went to conferences, learned a lot. So when I came up with this second edition um, that's being released this month, I was able to take it to another level 
than the first edition, partially because I was willing to open up to pieces of the story being changing up too. Um, And I was ready to have it be, I just wanted it to be an even better book because I wanted to reach as many people I can with his story. Yeah. Okay. So when was the last time you Googled yourself and what did you find? Oh, I haven't Googled myself in a couple months, but usually I think what you most of the time find about me is that I'm a nurse practitioner. So I think usually when you Google my name, that's, that's a really interesting question. <laughs> I, should, I haven't done it in a while. I also used to be a nurse practitioner on Carnival Cruise Lines. So for a while, my name came up with Carnival Cruise Lines. So, uh, but usually it's about my career as a nurse practitioner and where I'm currently working. I would love my author portion to come higher up, but. <laughs> so if your books were made into a movie, which actor or in your case, which dog breed would play your character? Well, Harley would definitely be, be played by a Yorkshire Terrier since that's what he was. Um, and I used to be told now, mind you, it's been a few years, but I used to be told I looked a little bit like, uh, Katie Holmes. So <laughs> we could see if we could get Katie Holmes to play me. <laughs> I don't know who she is, but <laughs> many people may or may not be like, well, she used to, it was a show when I was young. So it was a show called Dawson's Creek that she was on many years ago. Yeah. Okay, so with this, we have come to our end of our interview. I hope you had fun. And is there any um, last minute things you want to say to our audience about yourself or your book or where we can find your books? So we can find Harley's story on Amazon. Um, and it is the second edition. So you'll want to look for the second edition, Life Lessons from Fur Friends. I have a blog, denisegrzinski.com. So D-E-N-I-S-E-G-R-U-Z-E-N is in Nancy, S-K-Y.com. And on denisegrzinski.com, I have free coloring pages and word searches and a lot of fun and it's under fun and free activities that go along with Harley's story. That's amazing. So guys, I hope you learned something new today and I hope to see you guys next time. Bye guys. Thank you.